Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. My name is Dan Pattengill. I'm one of the pastors here. Pastor Jonathan, about a month or so ago, asked me if I would preach this Sunday. And uh, I was excited. I was, began right away just praying and asking God what he had for today. And what I felt like God was laying on my heart is asking the question, what is the condition of our heart? What is the condition of your heart? Not your physical heart, but your spiritual heart. Where is that at right now? Are you nurturing it? Is it in good health? Therefore, the question I pose to you, what is the state of your spiritual health or heart? Now, before I dive in, though, I want to talk about some things that will help you with the condition of your heart. And that's small groups. So I want to make sure that you are aware of everything that is taking in small groups. Because if you want the condition of your heart to be in a great place, do it in community. Don't do it alone. And so I want to make you aware of some of them. Pastor Levinsky mentioned it as well in the video. But one thing I want to make you aware of with small groups is that Kidman is also starting this Wednesday. And so if you have kids in uh, younger ages, make sure to bring them. PG and his team do a phenomenal job of teaching your kids the word of God so that they can grow in their relationship with God. So one of them that we're offering is sermon-based small groups. And what sermon-based small groups is, is where you hear the message from Sunday and then when you meet as a small group, you're going to dive in to the message even further. You're going to look at scripture, and you're going to be able to dive in and go further than you did on Sunday. So the next one is the book of Joshua, staying faithful in the times of change. This is going to be led by a gentleman named Doug Harvey in our church, phenomenal guy. He knows the word so well. And so he's going to dive into the word, do some teaching, and then open it up for discussion and questions. And so if you've ever been intimidated by the word of God, or maybe you're just like wondering how things are structured, Doug is great at taking it and teaching it and helping you answer some questions and putting things in place. So I'd highly recommend that to you. Another one is Financial Peace University. And so Financial Peace University is a great way if you've struggled with finances within your home or there's been tension within your marriage with finances, this is a great way to work on that. And so it's through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey, and we're offering it to free of charge. There is no cost, which is absolutely great, so make sure to take advantage of that. We also are offering divorce care. Uh, if you've gone through a divorce or you've gone through a separation, this is a great ministry to be a part of. Shelly Branchard and Chris Blanchard lead this ministry. They do a phenomenal job. This is a great place to find healing. We also offer men of iron and sisterhood groups. This is a great way for men and ladies to come together, grow in their relationships, relationship with God and do life together. This last year, I've had so many conversations with people that their lives being changed just by being a part of a small group. It took faith to step out and join, but their lives were changed because no longer were they walking it alone. They were walking with others by their side as well. And so our mission here at Crosspoint Church is we inspire, to give, uh, inspire people to give their whole life to Jesus, but the next portion is to grow in their relationship with him and others. 
And that is where small groups and community come in place. And so this is how you dive in with small groups, is to be able to grow in your relationship with him and others. And so if you have any questions about this, feel free to reach out to me. Otherwise, just scan the QR code right in front of you, and it'll give you a list of all the small groups. So this is a great way to help with the spiritual condition of your heart. So I want to dive in a little bit more now. So why is it important to check the condition of your heart? I believe that sometimes we tend to overlook what matters we rather not confront. It just seems simpler to do so. So this morning, I encourage you to take an inventory of your heart. How's it doing? What are you overlooking? We'll focus on the things we desire in our hearts. Subsequently, we'll also examine one thing we must not ensure is not in our hearts. It significantly impacts our heart in many, many ways. So how do, you, how do you assess the condition of your heart? Just as you would look at your strive for physical health, consider this. Conduct an inventory. Much like checking the contents of your fridge to maintain physical health, assess what you're allowing into your body. So if you go to the fridge and you include pizza, deep fried food, and ice cream, it might not contribute to your physical well-being. And I'm telling you, those are the things that I enjoy. That's why I made the list. And so, on the other hand, if you go and you're finding veggies and, you're f- and finding fruit, now that's going to be more beneficial for your body. So practice removing the bad elements and keeping the, nu- the nutrients ones in. We must apply the same principle with our hearts. Conduct an inventory. Eliminate the negative and enrich our hearts with positive elements. We want to make sure what we're allowing into our hearts is positive. We're allowing the things that should be in there. And so we're going to look at scripture. We're going to go in Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 21 right now. It's going to be on the screen as well. But first we're going to be looking at what we shouldn't have in our hearts. So in Galatians 5, 13 through 21. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So what are you... Not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So as we look at our heart, what are we allowing in? Are we allowing those things in? But one thing, that area that I want to really focus in on this scripture is verse 17. It comes down to not gratify the desires of the flesh. Our flesh is wanting us to do certain things, and our spirit is wanting us to do other. And it's in conflict. And so as we look more at the condition of our heart, we're going to dive into an area that we're really going to focus in where that becomes a conflict in us. But now let's look at what we desire to have in our hearts. We should aspire to have 
our hearts filled with the Holy Spirit and aligned with what he desires for us. So it's written in Galatians 5, through 24. We're going to be looking at this list. Will we do this perfectly? Probably not. Should we be intentional about practicing it? Yes. It says right here, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I believe when we have these attributes, our heart is truly healthy. I'm telling you, I want to have love in my life. I want to have joy in my life. I want to have peace. I want to have a thankful heart. I want kindness. I want to have self-control. I want to be faithful. And I want to have gentleness. Now, here's the thing is, God wants these things for our lives. I truly believe he wants all of these things for our lives. And that's why we must do inventory of our heart to see what we are allowing in. Now, when I hear the concept of the fruit of the Spirit, my mind draws a connection to fruit. In turn, reminds me then of a delicious fruit smoothie, something I absolutely love. Who likes fruit smoothies? Now, right now, when it's negative 30, not so much, but fruit smoothies are amazing. So here we go. So if we take and you add the wrong thing in, no longer is that fruit smoothie going to taste amazing. It has altered the taste of it. The results have now changed. So if I add dirt to the fruit smoothie, who would want this fruit smoothie? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Now let me ask another question. If I add poison, think about this, it may not immediately change the flavor. It would drastically affect the outcome to this fruit smoothie. Who would want that? Here's the thing. We've allowed certain things to enter our hearts that shouldn't be there. And they've affected our hearts. At times we might not even be aware that our hearts have been affected. It might have been a gradual change that's gone unnoticed for a time. So in Proverbs 4, 23 through 27, it says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do, do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the past for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. We must be on guard. We must guard our heart. And be aware of what we are allowing in it. Sometimes it's so easy to allow things in our hearts without even realizing it. And at times it may even be easier to leave them there than to actually deal with it and actually put the effort of removing it and changing it from our hearts. One of the things we must remove from our hearts that I really want to dive into today is I believe many of us ignore this and we don't deal with it. It's unforgiveness. Our fleshly desire is to push it aside and not deal with it. Now, as we've learned from Galatians chapter 5, we have tension between our flesh and our spirit. And the spirit tells us that we need to have forgiveness and we need to forgive others. But our fleshly side sometimes has a very hard time with this. 
And so we're going to look at that because Jesus actually addresses this matter several times, emphasizing it's important. Today we're going to explore it a little further. Some of you may have already started building up a wall because you don't want to deal with this. I really pray and I encourage you to not ignore this crucial aspect. I'm telling you, I've been praying this week over this message, last couple weeks. I know this is heavy and this can be hard, but I'm telling you, Jesus has something for you today. Don't miss it. Matthew 18, 21 through 35 is where we're going to look. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say for you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master, he ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him that debt. But then, but when that uh, same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him and saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all, that, all the debt you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger... He delivered him to the jailers until he should pay off all of his debt. So also my father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There's a lot in this scripture. There's a lot of different things taking place. And I want to look a little bit further of what's taking place and break it down with you. So first, the servant who owed the king, it started with 10,000 talents, is what he owed. What does that even mean? Well, let's put it into perspective. An ordinary working man could expect to earn perhaps a single talent a year. A single talent a year. So it would take an ordinary man 10,000 years just to repay that enormous debt. The debt is so huge, it's so far off. But the servant's heart in response, you see in 26, it says, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. The servant's heart and desire was to repay his debt. But he's imploring with the king who is well aware that the repayment is beyond his means. The sum of the debt is so large that it's impossible to be repaid. I think Jesus really wanted to make it clear that the cost was too high to be covered and beyond the capacity to be paid. The king's solution for the debt really we're limited to two options as we look at the scripture. The first option was for him to be sold along with his wife and children and all his possessions to make the payment. The second option was to take pity on him and release him and forgive the debt. 
These really are the only two options. Our Heavenly Father had the same options. But first, we have to be reminded of what our debt is. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Not one of us can claim to never have sinned. So what does that mean? It means that sin separates us from God. God is holy, and we no longer can be in connection with him. It separates us from him. Now, what does that even mean further? Well, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. This is what we deserve. This is our settlement. It's death. We deserve death. And not to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. But as Romans 6.23 finishes, but the gift of God is eternal life. He sent his son to pay the payment that we deserved. Jesus paid the price that we deserved. A price had to be paid. The king in the story lost 10,000 years worth of money. He lost something but absorbed the debt. When forgiveness happens, the one granting forgiveness has to absorb the debt. That is what the king did in the story and what Jesus did in our lives. I love how Tim Keller puts it. He says, forgiveness then is a form of voluntary suffering. In forgiving rather than retaliating, you make a choice to bear the cost. You make the choice to bear the cost. The 10,000 talents is the infinite debt we owe God. He forgave us of that. So let's look further into this as we continue through. In verse 28, we'll restart at. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When reading this, it's easy to look at this servant and going, this makes no sense. For what just took place to him, all of a sudden right away to go out and seize someone. He gets angry with him. Seriously, he was just forgiven 10,000 talents, a total of almost 10,000 years of work. And what he does is he goes and demands repayment from someone else. The thing that we see here is the servant's flesh is at work here. He's wanting repayment. And the, his spirit is in conflict with his flesh. Now, let's look at how much did his servant owe him? Well, let's see here. It says he owed him 100 denarii, which wouldn't even amount to one day's earnings. So that puts in perspective of what's really taking place when we're talking about forgiveness here. It's so easy to look at this scripture again and get mad at the servant. That doesn't make any sense. He had just been forgiven for so much, yet he attacks and chokes one who owes him very little and throws him in prison. The question, though, is how many times do we do that? Jesus forgave us of the greatest penalty and paid it for himself, and yet we can't forgive Jesus is emphasizing the importance of forgiveness in our lives. This isn't the only moment Jesus puts emphasis on forgiveness. 
When the disciples asked Jesus to teach us to pray, while Jesus was teaching them how to pray, forgiveness was a part of it. So we're going to look at Matthew 6, 9 through 14. 6, 9 through 14. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you look at this scripture, there is an emphasis on forgiveness. He talks about a lot of different things about prayer, but he refocuses on one. So here, it reminds me of a parent. If you have kids and you're giving your kids instructions, and you have all these different things you're going through, and you're going, oh, and you're going through them all, and you're like, they're not even listening. They're in their own little world. They're going, they're missing it. And as you're going through the list, you're going, man, they really need to know this one thing. And if you want your kid to know the one thing out of the list you, you have for them, you want to reiterate it and look at them and say, don't miss this. Focus on this one thing. And that's what Jesus is doing in this moment. So if we look back at the scriptures, verse 12, as he's teaching us how to pray, he mentions right in there, he says, and, for, and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. Then at the end of it, all this, he says, this is where he reiterates it. He's like, don't miss this. This is important. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We must deal with this in our lives. Jesus speaks clear that there is no room for unforgiveness. There may be some of you right now trying to justify why you shouldn't forgive, or you can't wait to leave just so you continue to ignore this. This seems like it would be the easiest thing to do, but it will create more harm for you than good. I like how Joyce Meyer addresses this. She says, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and hoping your enemy dies. Let me say that again. Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and hoping for your enemy to die. When we harbor unforgiveness, we are robbing ourselves of God's blessing and building a wall with our relationship with him. So what do we do when someone hurts us, though, and that person never asks for forgiveness? And when we feel that we can't forgive that person, what do we do in that moment? We must do what Jesus did. We forgive anyway. We can only control what we can control. We can forgive, but we can't force someone to apologize or forgive in return. Let's look at this. Jesus on the cross, one of the last words he says is, Father, forgive them. Even on the cross while he is suffering, they weren't asking for forgiveness there. They were crucifying him, and he still forgave them in that moment. 
Jesus didn't just teach them to do this. He lived it. In the moment of the greatest suffering, he was granting forgiveness. Now, what if the pain and the hurt and the resentment is just too much and you just don't know how to change your heart? Because sometimes we feel stuck in this moment, I think, with forgiveness. I think we feel stuck and we don't know what to do with it because we know that God's asking us to do it. The first thing I'm going to say is don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Second, I would encourage you to find a Christian counselor, especially if there are some deep and emotional wounds. I would recommend Caneo Counseling. They rent space for us on the third floor. Christian Counseling to be able to help here. They also are down in Waterloo as well. But find a good Christian counselor to be able to walk through it with you. Third, find a Christian mentor. Find a good Christian friend that you trust, that you're not walking it alone. Walk it through with someone. Fourth thing is, join a small group. Be a part of a community that can encourage you and pray with you as you walk through it. We must release it. We have to put it in action. Talked about some steps of how we can do that. You must start putting it in some form of action, though. Because otherwise, you just continue to ignore it. Now, I heard this story of a man that his dad was really horrible to him. Had a lot of pain, had a lot of suffering, and there was a lot of resentment between this father and the son. And the son held on to this for a very long time. He didn't know what to do with it. And every time his dad came to mind, just bitterness and anger and pain is what always would come to the surface. And he didn't know what to do, but he knew that he needed to forgive his father because he knew that he wanted to be in line with God, but he did not know how to handle it. And so all of a sudden, he felt like he needed to try something. So what he began to do is he decided to put it in action, and every day he would pray for his father. He would say, dear God, be with my dad today. Next day, dear God, be with my dad today. I forgive him. And as he shared this story, the thing that stood out to me was at first he even admitted, he going, I didn't even mean it. I started praying it, and I, I'm going, God, be with him. And I'm going, I don't want you to be with him. Because he had that bitterness and the resentment there. But he kept after it. And day after day, he kept on saying the same prayer. Then all of a sudden, he said there was a shift that started to take place. And when he actually began to pray for his dad, he started to have pity on him. And he started to see him in a different light. And when those moments where he felt like he was praying and he didn't believe it. He was going, God, I just want to honor you. I want to be in line with you because you talk about forgiveness and I want to forgive. And he kept doing the work. He kept after it. And his heart shifted. It started with bitterness and anger and resentment to his father. That transition into pity in feeling for his father. I like how Tim Keller puts it for this as well. 
It says to have pity on somebody who has wronged you means you deliberately do the internal work of understanding the perpetrator's situation. The perpetrator's vulnerability. That is, the not, that is not the natural thing to do. Which goes back to Galatians 5 of dealing with the flesh. Our desire is not to do this. But we're called to do it. And we need to look to the spirit. St. Peller continues to say, that's not the natural thing to do. Your heart wants to concentrate only on how bad the wrongdoer is and how he deserves to suffer. But the king representing God thinks of the perpetrator not just as a villain, but as a human being with his own fears and griefs. We must do the work. If we want heart change, we have to put the work in. We have to shift our hearts like Jesus. It is the only way. Sometimes we have to do the painful things to allow healing to happen in our lives. Robert Morris states it this way in his book, Truly Free. He says, is there resentment in your life? Is there unchecked anger, hurt, disappointment, or delusionment? This bitterness will eat away at your life. You need to forgive. Perhaps there's a person, group of people, or an institution you need to forgive. Perhaps you need to forgive yourself. Perhaps you need to forgive God. That might sound strange, he says, because God cannot sin. Yet the word forgive simply means release. You release God. You say, God, I know that this has happened to me, and I'm not going to hold you responsible for this anymore. I know it wasn't you who did it to me. By faith, I believe that you always love me and always have the best interest in my mind. It's intriguing concept what he shares here. When I read it, I was like, huh, forgiving God, but recognizing that God hasn't sinned. So however, if you accumulated pain from your life and you attributed it to God, you need to release that burden. It's crucial. Without doing so, your relationship with God will remain strained. We need to learn to release the pain that we are holding onto. We have to release it. Allow God to be a part of it. So my question is, who do you need to forgive? How do you need to forgive? Sometimes we feel we have to have a conversation with someone. Sometimes that isn't the case. Other times it's beginning to do the work on your heart. Begin to pray about it. Pray for the individual. Forgiving them by saying it out loud or writing it out. But do something. Stop ignoring it. Guard your heart. God wants so much more for you than bitterness and resentment. He wants the fruit of the spirit of your life with nothing added in it. He wants everything that shouldn't be there to be gone. But we have to do the work. We have to guard our hearts. We have to look in and ask the tough questions what do we need to remove? And so in the area of unforgiveness, I encourage you to start somewhere. I know it may be hard. I know it may be challenging. And you may even not even mean it right away. 
but allow God to be a part of the process. And I guarantee you, if you allow him to be part of the process and you do the work, you will find healing. Don't allow bitterness and resentment to rule in your life anymore. Allow the fruit of the Spirit to be a part of your life. If everybody could bow your heads and close your eyes. Now I'm gonna give us a moment here to hopefully start the healing process of forgiveness. I truly believe we must put things into action if we really want to find healing. We must do something with it. So if you're in this room, in your heart right now, go, man, I really need to forgive someone and I don't even know how to do it. You've been carrying it maybe for a long time. You may even be carrying it for a short time. If you're dealing with unforgiveness in your life and you know that you need to forgive someone, you need to do the hard work. If that's you, I just encourage you right now by taking that action, just raising your hand saying, you know what, I need to forgive someone. If that's you, just raise your hand saying, you know what, I need to do this hard work. Just raise your hand just saying, that's me. Praise God. What I'm gonna do here is I just, I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna pray for God to do a work in your life. I also wanna say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the pain that you've gone through. Sorry for the pain that you didn't deserve. But know that God loves you and that he sees you and he's there for you and he hasn't abandoned you. And as I pray, I just encourage you to pray and ask God to help you. And then even maybe in your own words, just saying, God, I forgive whoever that person is or that institution or whatever you're holding on. Begin to release it. I'm gonna pray over you. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for the people in the room that just raised their hand They're saying they have unforgiveness in their life. Lord God, that they're sitting there and they're going, man, I, I need to do something with this. God, I pray in this moment that you will bring healing. God, I know that it may just not happen overnight, that it's going to maybe take times, it might take weeks, it might even take years, Lord. But God, I pray that you give them the strength and the endurance to continue to lay it at your feet and ask you to be a part of it, Lord. God, I'm so thankful that we don't walk this alone. God, I pray for people right now that raise their hand and say, you know what, they need forgive, to forgive others, Lord. I pray that they begin to find healing, to let go of the bitterness and the resentment, Lord. Touch them, Lord, be with them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could keep your heads down and your eyes still closed, I, I wanna, we're gonna do this two more times. There's some of you in this room that have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, but you haven't forgiven yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to release the pain, the shame, and the guilt. The enemy wants you to keep carrying it. And it's time to start releasing it. So if you're in this room and you haven't forgiven yourself and you need to forgive yourself the way that Jesus has forgiven you, I encourage you right now to raise your hand and say, you know what, I need to forgive myself. Put it in action. If that's you and say, you know what, I need to forgive myself, just raise your hand. See those hands. You can put them down. Anybody?
Yeah, I'm just going to pray. And as I pray, I just encourage you in your own words, if you raise your hand, say, God, I release the pain. I release the guilt and the shame that I've been carrying. And to know that you love me and that you see me for who I am. Help me to walk in line with you. Let me pray over you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for the people in the room that need to forgive themselves. They've been holding on to a past mistakes and regrets. God, I pray that they can truly learn to forgive themselves, to see the love that you truly have for them, Lord, that you care for them and that you see them, Lord. God, we thank you for your love, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you just keep your heads down and your eyes closed. Now, some of you in this room, you realize that you need forgiveness of your sins and you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. And you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life and for the forgiveness of your sins. If that's you today, I just encourage you, just raise your hand right now, say, that's me, I need to ask Jesus to be Lord of my life and for the forgiveness of your sins. I see that hand. Anyone else? Jesus, see that hand. Everybody can please stand. to say a prayer here, and I just encourage you, if you raise your hand, to repeat it after me. I encourage you to just meet it with your whole heart. And know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that we'll be alongside you, praying with you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come give me a fresh start. Be my king. Be my savior. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. Help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. A couple things here before. What we do at the end of the service, we leave time for prayer. And if you raised your hand and you asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life and the forgiveness of your sins, I encourage you to tell a friend, someone sitting next to you and saying, you know, I made that decision. And then as we leave time for this last song as many people up here to pray for you. If you've made that commitment, I encourage you to come up, let them know, let them pray a prayer of blessing over you. Don't walk this life alone. Next thing is, is if you raise your hand and you're going, man, I, I really need to work on forgiving someone. I encourage you just in this last song, worship him, seek his face. If you need someone to pray over you, Start putting it in action. Stop ignoring it. Guard your heart, protect it. God wants more for you. Again, the prayer team's gonna be up here. I encourage you to come up for prayer if you need it. I'm gonna pray over you, and then I just encourage you to worship him, seek his face. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, first, I just thank you 
that you forgive us of the debt that we so deserved. God, I'm so thankful for the love that you have for us. God, I pray you continue to work on our hearts. I pray for the people in this room that has been carrying bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, Lord. I pray that you just begin to do a work, Lord. I pray that you put people in their lives to help and to encourage them, Lord. I pray that they continue to put in action to seek your face. Because God, you want so much more for them. God, we're so thankful that we don't walk this life alone, Lord. We love you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.